The thrill and excitement of March Mania is here, and DraftKings Sportsbook, one of America's top-rated sportsbook apps, is giving new customers a shot to turn 5 bucks into $150 instantly in bonus bets with any college basketball bet. You can find all the lines and available odds, of course, at the DraftKings Sportsbook app. North Carolina listeners, don't forget, DraftKings Sportsbook is now live in your state. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app and use code SBNFL. New customers can bet 5 bucks to get $150 instantly in bonus bonus bets only at DraftKings Sportsbook with code SBNFL. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or in West Virginia, visit www.1800gambler.net. In New York, call 8778-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly on behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort 21 plus age varies by jurisdiction void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.com slash bball for eligibility, deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. And welcome to the Big Blue View podcast. I am Dan Pizzuta, joined here by Chris Flum. Chris, how are you doing today? Yeah, pretty good. How are you doing? I am doing all right. Maybe not that great because we have to talk about something we do not want to talk about because it keeps coming up in the news. And that is Odell Beckham trade rumors. Yay. Can I revise my statement? Or, or is that on the record now? That I'm, I'm doing pretty good. <laughs> we'll try to just get through this real quickly. The main topic of this podcast is going to be, we're going to play a little stay or go with Giants free agents and players who are currently on the roster, just so we can kind of get a bit of a preview of what could be coming in free agency. But let's just talk about this, uh, the, the Beckham thing again, because it's coming out in just kind of all different types of ways. You know, last week, we touched on it a little bit, but uh, Jay Glazer in uh, Mailbag on The Athletic had his bold prediction that Odell Beckham would be traded during this offseason. And then on Monday, during a hit on Pro Football Talk Live, Chris Sims said that he uh, he was reporting the Patriots were one of the most aggressive teams trying to trade for Beckham last offseason. And the fact that the Patriots were one of the most aggressive teams was kind of what scared the Giants away from trading Beckham. So this is kind of all over the place. I think one of the major pieces we need to talk about here is in the Sims report, I think a lot of people kind of took it as being like part of this past regular season, but that's not what he said. He said last offseason, and that's during a time where it was very widely known and widely reported the Giants were looking for trade offers for Beckham. So if it was last offseason, that was before the Beckham extension, so that was not during this past season, when he was under contract and trading him made no sense. Uh, So I think we have to put that into perspective that it was during last offseason when we already knew there were rumors of him possibly getting shopped and before that extension was signed. I think for the Patriots sense, it would make a lot of sense for them. That's kind of like their MO, getting a player who is 
possibly no longer appreciated by his former team on what would have been the last year of a rookie deal. The Patriots are trying to trade for that type of contract all the time. That's what they did for Trent Brown. They they do that all the time. So for the Patriots' sense, that makes a whole lot of sense for them. But obviously, it, it didn't happen. We heard the Rams were also highly involved in trying to get Beckham before they traded with the Patriots for Brandon Cooks. So I think a lot of this is just kind of stuff we already knew. I'm not sure how much new information, aside from the Patriots being the team involved, comes out because all of this happened last offseason. So we don't know what happened this season. And as far as we know, there were no trade discussions so far this season. So it doesn't really matter after that contract was signed. No, and from pretty much any perspective, it just does not make sense to trade Odell Beckham. You know, the Giants would lose money on the deal. They would be losing their best player, one of the best players in their franchise's history. And basically the only reason Eli Manning is still on the roster. So it just doesn't make any kind of sense unless just viscerally Dave Gettleman does not want him on the team anymore and quite frankly I tweeted my thoughts on that out the other night when these rumors first started bubbling up from wherever they come from again and that is if Dave Gettleman trades Odo Beckham I believe he should be fired on the spot and I don't care if it is a draft day trade just that is gross negligence. Well, one of the things I, I don't really buy about that report is the Giants needing the Patriots' involvement to make them realize how good Odell Beckham is. I mean, I'm sure, uh, you know, the, the Patriots aren't going after bad players, but I think the Giants know full well how good of a player Odell Beckham is. Whether they truly appreciate that to the extent it should be is another story, but I think they know how good Odell Beckham is. And yeah, he's part of the reason that offense functions the way it does. And Eli Manning might have retired like two years ago if it was not for the Giants drafting Odell Beckham. He carried a lot of that offense during the time. So we'll see. Uh, these rumors probably aren't going to continue to die down until something is, is said maybe on the record or we just get into training camp and Odell Beckham wasn't traded. Maybe that's what stops it. Uh, maybe we have to wait until the trade deadline to pass for these rumors to stop. So we don't know. But for right now, you know, Odell Beckham is a giant he should be a giant for a very long time because he's one of the best players this is a passing league you have a top five wide receiver it honestly doesn't matter how much he's being paid right now he is worth it uh, he makes that offense better so I think that's where we're going to stick on that and so we're, we're going to move on to one player who we also hope is going to be a giant for the foreseeable future and at least through 2019 and that is Landon Collins so this is going up on Tuesday that is the first day teams can place the franchise tag on impending free agents I think we will probably see that be the likely place the Giants go with Collins I'd say Josina Anderson tweeted out this morning that she is told that the Giants and Landon Collins are not currently in active negotiations on a contract extension per her sources. 
so it would seem that my guess is that the Giants are going to use the franchise tag and then I think maybe feel out the safety market before making a long-term offer for Collins because they should. He is one of their best defensive players, even though he isn't a superb man coverage safety. You can get other players for that build around him to let him play to his strengths, which I think are things we have talked about quite a bit already. <laughs> yeah, it's it's weird. I think there's there's part of the fan base that's coming through and, and trying to say, oh, Collins isn't worth the, the type of money the franchise tag requires because he's not good in coverage. And I, I don't necessarily think that you know, should be the case because you know, Collins is still quite good just about everywhere else. And you can get around him in coverage. I don't think you have to put him in one-on-one coverage against tight ends. There are other players who can do that. I think even if you look like toward the draft, there's a couple of players who were really standing out in my mind and could really fit in there and take that responsibility away from Collins. And he's good in, in so many other places. So it looks like the, the, the franchise tag is going to be around $11.2 million for safeties. I think that's fine for Collins. I think that's that's totally worth it. You can put the non-exclusive tag on him, which means you put that tag on him, he's still free to negotiate with other teams, uh, but if uh, he signs an offer sheet with another team and the Giants decline to match that, then they get back two first-round picks. So I, I don't think that's going to happen. I don't think any team is going to give up two first-round picks for Landon Collins, so you can put that non-exclusive tag on him that you know saves about a million dollars or so from the exclusive tag, which means he can't negotiate with anyone else. I think what would be a mistake here is placing the transition tag on Collins. I've seen that floated around as an idea. I do not agree with that at all because what that does is save maybe, you know, three or so million. That's going to come in a little over like $8 million. So that saves money on the cap. But what it also does is it opens up Collins to get offers from all other teams. And if other teams offer and the Giants do not match, and that gives those other teams the ability to possibly structure a contract in a way that the Giants cannot match is, say, dumping a whole bunch of money on the 2019 cap, which the Giants don't really have a lot of flexibility to go there. So if there was a high amount of money in year one, the Giants might really struggle to catch that. And there are teams like, you know, the San Francisco 49ers or the Indianapolis Colts who could make those type of offers. And so if that happens and the Giants can't match, they lose Collins for nothing. So I think you are opening up uh, a whole bunch of negative possibilities for not enough reward of like saving $3 million on the cap. I think if you want Collins, you tag him. The non-exclusive tag is going to be like $11 million. That's fine. You keep his rights. You can still negotiate a long-term contract, which would then you could use to bump down that first year. So he wouldn't be making $11 million this year. If you negotiate a long-term deal, then all of those numbers can change. But I think there's too much risk and not enough reward for that transition tag. So I think the franchise tag makes a whole lot of sense from this standpoint. Agreed. And 11 million number isn't a bad starting point, I think, for his play level when you have the players around him to let him play his game. Because we've seen when he plays his game, he is one of the best defensive players in the league. He 
it was a couple of years ago. He was injured in 2017, so I kind of discount that. But in 2016, he was playing at a historically good level. You know, he was a huge reason why the Giants actually went to the playoffs that year. So I'm not sure why you wouldn't want that kind of talent on your roster. You might have to pay for it. Yeah, but that's what happens when you draft good players. You either pay them or let them go play well for another team. Right, and so when you do that, you have Collins and you know what his strengths are, and then you can try to build the defense around him to have him not have to do what he's not good at. Landon Collins had to cover George Kittle one-on-one in that San Francisco game last year because the Giants literally had no one else on the roster who could do that. If you are now bringing in other people in the roster, you can go through free agency, get those safeties and corners, go through the draft. You get someone who possibly has that ability, and you don't have to ask Collins to do that. To not pay him because he struggled against George Kittle in that game is insane, and it's discounting too much all of the things that Landon Collins does well. Especially now in a James Betcher system, I think if you get a whole bunch of those new players around and you can shift those coverage responsibilities, Landon Collins can be a big part of what Betcher wants to do and has done in Arizona. He just didn't have the ability to put those pieces in place last year because the talent was so bad on that side of the ball. Yeah, agreed. So... Why don't we move on to our game of stay or go and basically look at the rest of the talent on the roster? Well, not the rest of it, but at least the talent where the Giants are going to have to make some decisions. Yeah, so Collins is obviously going to be probably the biggest roster decision they have. You can tell from what we just said, we are firm on that Landon Collins should be brought back. But there's going to be a whole bunch of other decisions. The Giants have a number of free agents that are also scheduled to hit the open market. And then they have a couple of players on the current roster who are still under contract who might be let go or or moved. And there's decisions that have to be made there. So we're going to play a little game of, of stay or go. We're just going to give that player and our thoughts of whether he should be on the 2019 roster or not. We're going to start with some of the impending free agents. And I think the biggest one outside of Collins, and not necessarily money-wise, but just in terms of how the Giants feel about the roster in general and where they think they're going to go. And and it comes in one of the biggest problem areas in the offensive line is Jamon Brown. When he was claimed, only one year left on his deal. Uh, so he's going to be a free agent. I think a lot of people were excited or at least had some optimism about how the offensive line played in the second half of the year. Uh, I'm not totally sure if that's the case. Because if you look at Sports Info Solutions, they track blown blocks. And Jamon Brown had a blown block percentage of 2.36, which is actually terrible for guards. He ranked 51st of 62 guards uh, with at least 400 snaps played. So uh, that's not where you want to be. Obviously, he was kind of thrown into the starting lineup shortly after he was claimed. But I think a lot of people have placed this the kind of like offensive line savior piece on Brown, who in reality, he didn't totally play well. So I would probably be okay with him going. I'd also be okay with him staying. I I don't think he is the key piece to the offensive line one way or the other. No, I'm kind of right there with you. I think he, the right guard position could be upgraded. You know, I, part of, I think the goodwill towards Brown was just how bad Patrick Omame was. And 
how really, really bad he was for the amount of money he was being paid. Yeah, he did not set the bar high at all for Brown to come in and look like a significant upgrade. But like you said, he d- he really didn't play all that well. Now, I wouldn't be opposed to keeping him if the price is right, and you know, hoping that with a full off season in the offense and hopefully some improvement at center and right tackle that his own play would kind of rebound because he's a young guy. I think he's only 26. He seems to be a a really good guy in the locker room and in the community. So I could go either way on this. I think it would basically come down to what his asking price is and what they would be able to work out. In the same vein, someone who played a lot of snaps on the offensive line last year who was not really expected to was Spencer Pulley. So he is a bit of a different decision because he's going to be a restricted free agent. So he was an undrafted free agent. So he'll probably get an original round tender. I think they probably bring him back, whether it's to be a starter or depth. Again, he wasn't great. He was about 20th among centers in blown block percentage for Sports Info Solutions. So that's obviously not great. I still think they can upgrade there, but it's not going to cost a lot to bring him back to be depth so I'm, I'm fine with him coming back agreed yeah he was really not good I don't think it does kind of amuse me that right now the debate is which one of the three Giants undrafted free agent centers they should go with I would like to see a legitimate upgrade at the position you know maybe that is John Jalapio coming back healthy and showing improvement at the new position but yeah, it's the middle of the offensive line, and he's the guy responsible for calling all of the protections and communicating up and down the line. I don't think that is a position where you can skimp. So I'd be fine with Pulley coming back as depth, and hopefully they get an upgrade there somehow. Yeah, that seems to be the way it, it should be. So let's move on. B.W. Webb was signed only for a one-year deal. Played, you know, fairly well. Was very good in, in charting statistics. But that went down as the season progressed. He started off as a nickel corner and he was fine. Then when Eli Apple got traded, he had to be the number two corner, uh, which didn't go as well. I, I think it kind of depends on his market. I think if you bring him back, I don't think you really want him to be the number two or really even the number three. I think you I probably ideally want Grant Haley to be there. I'm going to say go uh, just because I think you just want to get better depth there. And as good as Webb was in what he was asked to do, I think that's about as good as you can expect BW Webb to play. And I think you just you just want to get yourself better at that position. Uh, so I don't think he needs to be a priority to be brought back. No, I... Maybe if he comes back on vet minimum and competes in camp, I didn't like how they had to change the defense when they traded Apple and basically promoted him to a full-time starter. I don't think that played to the schematic strength of the defense, and I don't think that played to the strength of Janoris Jenkins, who is a name we'll get to in just a little bit. I would rather they have as much depth that can play the kind of aggressive coverages that James Betcher wants to call as they can get. 
Right, so let's move on. Let's combine these next two guys, uh, Josh Morrow and Kerry Wynn. And they were part of the defensive line depth. I think both played well enough in their limited snaps. The thing was, there were limited snaps. And so I, I liked what Morrow brought. And I liked what Wynn brought at some points, but I also think neither one of them should be priorities to bring back. I know Dave Gettleman does want that defensive line rotation that can go like eight or nine deep, but I think you can probably get cheaper in that area, especially in a draft that's going to be loaded with those guys. So I think I'm I'm go with both, probably. Um, They're kind of the same player, really. You know, they both play that five slash seven technique. It kind of a defensive end, depending on what the down and distance and package are called. I will say of the two, I would kind of lean towards Kerry Wynn just because he did have some impact plays, not huge game-breaking plays like he did in the preseason when he was just wrecking everything but he's a solid disciplined guy and you could also do worse for depth than him not sure but i think win might be this slightly cheaper guy to retain it's almost a coin flip and if it comes up let both of them walk and try to upgrade that fourth spot go for it Maybe see what RJ McIntosh has if he can see the field before December. <laughs> yeah, that was the other thing. Like, there's there's going to be McIntosh involved more, and you're probably going to see a free agent or, or a draft pick there. I would add, I would I would like to see more of Mario Edwards Jr. He flashed and impressed me. I thought he probably should have gotten more time, more snaps than he did last year. Yeah, so he he's another guy in that mold. He's going to be a free agent too. So I think they maybe bring back one of those three. I think if I were to go, I might lean toward Morrow. He was suspended for the first four games. When he came back, I think he had the most pass rush productivity of the group. So per Sports Info Solutions, he had pressure on 8.3% of his rushes, which he only played 98 snaps against the pass. So I think he is productive in those short bursts. So if they want that rotation, I think that might be uh, the best way to go. Our last free agent we were going to talk about was Scott Simonson, but it is just coming through now. And I might be breaking this to you if you are not on Twitter while we do this, but it has just been reported that the Giants are re-signing Simonson to a one-year deal. So he is a stay. There we go. That might actually be a nice bridge to go over to uh, Red Ellison. Yeah, I think so. So, yeah, that works toward what I was going to say because I would have said keep Simonson, and I'm probably going to go go with Red Ellison. He's a fine player. He he does a lot. But I think Simonson kind of improved to where he can do what Red Ellison does at a much cheaper rate. So Red Ellison is going to and I think we've talked about this before, is going to be $5.75 million on the cap. And that is, that's a lot for a tight end. It, that's a lot for a blocking tight end. Yeah. So per over the cap of, of tight end contracts, that's the 18th highest cap hit for 2019. He's getting paid like almost double what 
Evan Ingram is, uh, which, I mean, obviously, rookie deal is different from a veteran who was signed in free agency, um, but the Giants can save $3.25 million by parting ways with Ellison. And I just think with what Simonson has shown, and now that he is officially coming back, he would have been my pick to to come back anyway. I think Simonson gives you just as much as Ellison does as that number two tight end, the guy who can be in line. And I think you can part ways with Ellison, maybe find a much cheaper number three tight end, uh, either in the draft, probably late, or even with some of these this tight end class of free agents, which isn't super deep, but there's some intriguing names there. Uh, someone like Eric Swope, who I think would be a, a great fit. He's a guy who uh, he's only 26. He's kind of bounced around a little bit shown flashes when he's been able to play. So I think you can get what Rhett Ellison does at a much cheaper deal. So I'm, I'm go on him. Yeah, that's something we brought up when we looked ahead at the tight end draft class that, you know, back then it didn't make a whole lot of sense for the Giants to, look to invest much of anything in tight end because they had Ingram and Ellison. But then looking at Ellison's contract, that does look like fairly easy place to get cap relief and with them signing Simonson that does I think kind of open the door a little bit because like you said they're very similar players and Simonson is going to be a whole lot cheaper at the time I did float the idea of possibly drafting TJ Hawkinson out of Iowa in the second round and yeah after releasing Ellison and I think we're both fans of his Hawkinson that is so that could be another way they go but yeah right now I I would have read Ellison as a go nothing personal but just business yeah I think we are both fans of TJ Hawkinson it seems like a lot of people are fans of him now to where when we were first talking about him when we did like a tight end episode like months ago he might be available in the second round he might go like here are the rumors of him going in like top 15 now so yeah uh, who who knows there? But yeah, e- even there, I think there's there's a, a decent a tight end class in the draft this year that, that can go pretty deep where you still might be able to get some type of athlete there, especially if you only need a third tight end now. So let's work our way up. Uh, let's go with Kareem Martin. Uh, is an interesting case. So he was he was going to be that, that secondary pass rusher that at least started the season as you know, Lorenzo Carter kind of worked his way in and uh, Connor Barwin was supposed to be there, but they're also already parted ways with him. So of the 11 Giants who had at least 50 pass snaps, Kareem Martin was third in pressure rate at 9.62% per Sports Info Solutions. You would like to see that you know, a little higher. Olivier Vernon was at 118 He was another guy who had, you know kind of got pressured but did not turn that into sacks. His sack percentage was only 0.58% which you would expect that to go up more. But I think it's a tough thing. He counts as a $5.9 million cap hit for 2019. There's $2.1 million saved. I think I would I would do go with, with Martin because I think you can, depending on what they do in the draft, we talked about some options uh, last week on our draft show about possibly taking a an edge rusher at six if they don't go quarterback and depending on what they do with Vernon who we'll get to in a bit I still think you can bring in a guy at six who's probably going to be at a lower cap hit than Kareem Martin and probably give you a little more so if you're looking to fill that in free agency that gets a little expensive but if you bring someone in the draft and maybe you can even get one someone in like the second or even fourth round that could bring you just as much as Kareem Martin did at at a much cheaper price so I'll be go with Martin yeah I think 
think I'm a go as well. Again, just not a whole lot of cap relief, but some. And the Giants are kind of in a position where the more of these kind of fringe players where they could get cheaper upgrades and free up cap room, those almost have to be goes. And there's a lot of, because of the similarities in the contract, I think there was a lot of talk over the season about how the Giants basically let Devin Kennard walk and replaced him with Kareem Martin, but they aren't exactly the same player. And I would say the Giants cut Romeo Okwara and replaced him with Kareem Martin because those two are very similar players. And in fact, they were basically playing the same position through the offseason and training camp and preseason. And, you know, the 23-year-old Romeo Okwara had seven and a half sacks eight tackles for a loss and 14 quarterback hits on a $630,000 contract, which he is a restricted free agent. But after seven and a half sacks, I would be surprised if the lions tagged him and even gave another team a chance to talk to him. Yeah. There's so there's, there's a deep class of, of edge rushers. And even if some of the top guys get tagged, there's still some value to be had there. And, and I think the giants, if they go that route or again, a deep class of edge rushers in this draft class. So there's definitely ways to improve on that position at at probably a cheaper cost. So let's go to one guy who, uh, We'll bring up here because I think he's been talked about, but realistically, I don't think there's a way they move on from him, which is Alec Ogletree. Because of the contract, which is just an... It's atrocious. Good on the Rams for moving this contract, man. Yeah. Um, (laughs) So because the Giants didn't want a $10 million cap hit on Ogletree last year, they restructured his contract, so now he'll be $11.75 million on the cap this year, but only $500,000 saved if they release him. So I don't think they're going to release him. I mean, I probably would because there's then the opportunity cost. I mean, that money is already a sunk cost. That's going to be on your books. What would make that sunk cost worse is having Alec Ogletree play 98% of your defensive snaps again. So if you're already going to pay him that money, I think I would move on, but also I would never have made the trade to begin with. I was very vocal about that as soon as the trade happened. So I don't see the Giants moving on. I would say I would because the only thing that would make that contract continue to be worse is if you keep putting Ogletree out on the field and we saw his his limitations there I think oh I think no general manager uh, in the NFL would look at the idea of paying someone nearly 12 million dollars to not play for you but I'm not sure if that would be a terrible option and at least they could try to improve that linebacker so I am hypothetically go but I know there's no possible way that happens yeah you know The argument for trading for Ogletree was, you know, they can't afford not to do it, but I'm sorry, that is not a good team management argument. It is a bad contract, and a lot of the time, especially when the Giants were facing starting quarterbacks, they were paying him to not play for them because he was just standing there covering grass while other players ran through his coverage zones. Now, Yes, there, I, he has been a leader for the defense. 
he does help with communication and those sorts of things, but you can get other players to, who can do that. But you're right. That's, they're not going to pay him almost $12 million to play for another team. Yeah, I, we need to bring him up just because I, I think there has been some just talk about him among a whole bunch of fans and things. Uh, but the reality is yeah, he's on the roster. It, it, that contract is going to keep him on the roster. So uh, I think now we'll get to the big three. Players we've kind of talked about before, but we'll get there. We'll start with Janoris Jenkins. $14.75 million cap hit, $7.75 million saved if they move on. I think we are going to differ here. I would be okay with moving on. I think that is the probably easiest way to save a decent amount of money for this team without really compromising what could possibly make them a better unit. As we see kind of what Jenkins has done, and he had that outstanding 2016 season, but as we look at Jenkins' career, that is more and more looking like the outlier season rather than what he has done recently in the past two years. And so among 85 cornerbacks uh, who were considered qualified through a bunch of different qualifications, Janoris Jenkins was 71st in success rate and 70th in yards allowed per pass. That is not something I think you should be paying big money for so I think if you move on from Jenkins it also kind of gives you the maybe kick in the butt you need to realize you really need to upgrade that secondary so I am okay with moving on from Janoris Jenkins um I could see it happening and if it does happen I can't say I would be upset at the move I'm not sure how much faith I would have in the kick in the butt scenario panning out but um I, I think that's another show but I'm also not sure they could probably or they could absolutely find other corners for a lot less money than they're paying him. But they would have to dramatically revise their philosophy and strategy for stocking up the secondary if they were actually going to replace him and do what they needed need to do to get the secondary at a, a level where it isn't a liability for the pass rush which I think is really the the big problem, that they just had too many coverage breakdowns. And yeah, a lot of that's on Jenkins. He would have stretches where he looked like the, his 2016 self, and then he would just give up some, you know, he would just get burned badly. But I could also see them looking at him and maybe hoping he can rebound. Maybe he won't take, wouldn't take as many chances if they actually get the offense working consistently and maybe give the defense a chance to i don't know defend a lead once in a while and maybe figure out the rest of the secondary get a true free safety so they can play that cover one defense and hope pray that sam beal is who we hope he is so i'm kind of torn on jack rabbit staying or going i can see the argument either way and as long as the secondary plays better, I'm kind of fine with him staying or going. Yeah, I tend to like a bunch of the corners who are on the free agent market. I tend to like a couple of the corners who are in the draft. I think just kind of revamping that entire secondary is not a bad idea. So that's kind of where I stand there. Oh, I agree with you right there. If they're going to cut him and make good, smart investments that absolutely go for it i'm just 
I'm not sure if they don't go back to the quantity over quality mode of acquiring secondary players again and and maybe wind up with more BW Webbs and Curtis Riley's. I think there's a way to do both, and you can bring in some more guys, but go a little higher up the quality ladder also. I think that that's a possibility in both free agency and the draft. We'll move on to the next big piece, which is Olivier Vernon, a $19.5 million cap hit. They save $11.5 million if they let him go. If you have listened or read me for to any amount of time, you will know I am I am very firmly in in stay for Olivier Verdin. I think he's a he is a very productive pass rusher. He gets to the quarterback just because he does not sack the quarterback as often. It does not mean he is a bad player because pressure is good. He still gets hits. Those hits will eventually turn into sacks. Uh, and I think when you look at the market, even though he is getting paid a lot, it is going to be very hard to replace that production at a cheaper price. You are not going in the mid-tier of edge rushers and finding someone who's going to be able to replace Olivier Vernon. I think that's much easier at other parts of the roster. So I know that is a big cap hit, but I just think the the production is there. It's going to continue, and I think it's going to increase. He's going to have more sacks in 2019 than he is 2018. So I think it would be a flaw to try to replace Vernon at a cheaper price because then your your pass rush is taking a hit there. I think more than any of those other positions would if you try to replace them. Um. Yeah. Agreed. Just personally, I would. I think I would like to see him come in and play at a little at a little bit lighter weight. Yeah, maybe less of the defensive end physique and, you know, maybe like Chandler Jones come in at 250, 255. So maybe he's a little bit quicker. Speed has never been a huge part of his game. Yeah, he's always been more of a technique and effort rusher, but playing more of that kind of stand up defensive end, just being a little bit lighter and a little bit quicker, especially if he can do so without losing much or any of his strength. I would help him a ton. I don't see a reason to cut him. No, no, I, I don't. And a lot of people are because they, they think they look at sacks and he, he even ended up with, you know, a decent amount of sacks. It took like the last couple of weeks in the season to get there, but he is a very productive pass rusher. I think we need to continue to repeat that because yes. I think not enough people appreciate that. Uh, as we move on to our last one, it's going to be uh, the big one where... Uh, it probably doesn't even matter what we say because it's pretty much decided, it looks it's like, dead. what's going to happen. So that is Eli Manning, a $23.2 million cap hit. $17 million cap space is cleared if they move on. It, it's probably time. It, sh- it should be time. It doesn't appear like the Giants think it is time. It, it is. And I think the, one of the biggest mistakes, I think, would be trying to sign Eli to an extension and attaching a dummy year into 2020 to bring his cap hit down like $5 million. Because then you're you're putting money on Eli that is not already there in 2020. And I think even putting that a dummy year gives the possibility of there being a real year in 2020. And I just don't think the Giants should do that. I think you keep 2019 as the last year, allow there to be a clean break at the end. Like, that's okay. And I'm not a fan of of putting money 
uh, on the 2020 cap for a player who is probably not going to be there, especially if it's going to be like $5 million. That just, uh, that doesn't make sense to me. So I think that would possibly be the biggest mistake. I understand that they're probably going to keep him, maybe keep a seat warm for a highly drafted rookie. Uh, maybe wait till they draft a rookie in 2020. Oh my God. So now we'll be like three years down the line in this plan, uh, which I wouldn't understand. Plan? I, I mean, I, I, yeah, yeah, in, in quotes. There's a plan. Uh, so I just, I think it's time. And that, that should not be like looked at poorly of what Eli Manning has accomplished. There were two Super Bowls. That's great. I think it's totally fine to say that a 38, 39-year-old quarterback is just not the quarterback he used to be. I think that's a totally reasonable thing to say. And I don't understand why it's so hard for many people to say that. So. Yeah. I would be go. I have completely accepted that it is about 99% stay of the likelihood of what is to happen. Yeah, it. I would. I think the only way it isn't a stay is if Eli's wife puts her foot down. I'm not sure there's any other way he is not the Giants' starting quarterback in September. Now, whether he's still their starting quarterback in October, November, or December, that's another matter. Uh, it would be nice to free up that $17 million in cap space. They could do a lot with that. You know, then they could really start looking to overhaul s- some other parts of the roster. But you know, we've also, like we did last Friday in our options, if the Giants don't pick a quarterback, one of our scenarios was there isn't a quarterback worthy of being selected at sixth overall there. So if they let Eli go, they're very realistically looking at not having a quarterback. Yeah, I I don't think they would sign Teddy Bridgewater, even though he would be perfect for this offense. I think that injury and the fact that he has been away from the game other than preseason last year for, what, two years? I I don't think they would take the ch- the chance on him. Nick Foles would be he's going to be too expensive. I don't think he turns down twenty million dollars from the Eagles because it was partly his decision to do that to come to New York for fifteen million or whatever. A free agent starting quarterback is going to be. I, I'm going to guess at least as much as the Giants would save in cutting Eli. So I think they just let him ride off into the sunset and hope they can get enough pieces in place where, you know, maybe he plays a little bit better than he did last year, or at least more consistently than he did last year without as many of those lows and maybe hope they could just give him a happy end to his career. Maybe Odell will get his wish and they can, I don't know, give him a third ring. Although that would, you never root against winning a Super Bowl, but man, they would be in a tough position if they had the 32nd pick in 2020, that is. I mean, I think they would take that, but it, oh, absolutely, in, they would in take no it, but... realistic way is that going to happen, which is you know, part of the problem. <laughs> the, the way to contention, as the team is currently constructed, is a very long and unrealistic road, which is why they, they need to be thinking about the future. Probably more, I mean, I'm not going to say they haven't been thinking about the future, but I don't think they have 
been putting together a productive plan to get there, um, which is, I think, the hang-up for a lot of people who are looking at what the Giants have done over the past you know, two seasons. So, in that case, we will end this episode there. We'll, we'll get back to draft stuff for the Friday show. Keep sending in questions. Most of them have been draft-related, so we are going to save a, a lot of those mailback questions for the Friday show. So, please, please keep sending those in. Uh, send them to Twitter. Send them... Uh, there's a post up on BigBlueView.com. Uh, you can just comment there. So, we will get to them there. Uh, you can subscribe to this podcast wherever you get your podcast. Please rate and review if you have not because that greatly helps us. You follow our work on BigBlueView.com. Follow BigBlueView on Twitter at BigBlueView. You can follow BigBlueView on Instagram at Big underscore Blue underscore View. Follow me on Twitter at Dan Pizzuta. Follow Chris on Twitter at RaptorMKII. Thank you guys for listening, and we will talk to you again soon.